This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast, but this is not just another episode. It is not another episode. It is... Episode 300! (laughs) We finally did it. We finally got here. We've been building this up for a while. (sighs) Let's bask in the glow of 300 episodes, everybody. rest in it for a minute. (laughs) Hello, everybody. We are the Family Gamers. We are delighted to be with you indeed. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely... Amazing and yes, long suffering wife, <laughs> Anitra. That's me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know that we particularly have a topic for this week's show. We are going to do all the things that we normally do. We're going to talk about what we've been playing. We are going to talk about the monthly report. We have a very special for science this week that we are going to do live on the show with listener feedback. Woo! Uh, we do have some messages from the community and some other folks uh, who sent some stuff in and wanted to say hi. We are going to announce our contest winners. There is so much that we're going to talk about on this episode of the show, but we're not going to make this this mega long jam-packed thing that's you know lasting forever because it's I, a holiday know, weekend and we need the people want to, really you know I anyway uh, all right so um, why don't we start with a fact about three hundred yes please all right so anybody who knows me knows that there is a particular sport there is literally only one that I am any good at that we know of anyway and that is bowling. And so now everybody's like, uh, I already know the fact. The fact is a perfect score in bowling, in traditional 10-pin bowling, is 300. So I was thinking about that, but also your next favorite sport, 300 is also significant there because we talk about batting 300 in baseball. If you sure. hit three out of 10 pitches, you're, you're doing good. well. You're yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, completely unrelated, but also true. Yes. <laughs> so I, I did want to kind of make this a little bit more interesting than just like 300 of the perfect score in bowling. Okay. So first of all, I'm a 10-pin bowler. I'm not a candle pin bowler, for those of you who know what candle pin is, or duck pin. Uh, there's a, some other ones. There's five pin and there's nine pin bowling. Nine pin bowling was a type of bowling that was actually rendered illegal in the United States. So they just added another pen and that's how you got 10 yeah, pin Super bowling. weird. The history of bowling is actually weird and also super interesting. And I would commend it to all of you to check it out. There is a YouTube channel called Veritasium who in the last couple of years did a really interesting video about bowling. It's like eight minutes long. I hugely recommend you look it up because it kind of explains like the whole like, why do you hook a bowling ball and like that whole thing. They do get a chance to talk to some professionals who kind of can weigh in on some of the weirdness and they even talk to some ball manufacturers and stuff like that it's pretty cool it's it's a pretty cool video but here's some other neat things about bowling and specifically perfection in bowling so there have only been 34 televised 300 games ever okay so the rest have happened 
off camera somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they don't necessarily have to have happened by pros. Uh, right. I, I probably in my career, I have never bowled a 300, but I've probably witnessed at least a dozen. You've told me about at yeah. least like two or three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do bowl in a league with some pretty good bowlers. And so I've probably witnessed around that many. I've witnessed a like 850 series, which included two 300 games. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. That was on the lane next to me. Yeah. Thankfully, not on the, on the lane against me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one kind of cool thing. 900 series. So there's this organization called the USBC, which is the United States Bowling Congress. They're kind of like the official entity over, you know, bowling. Both pro bowling and like youth bowling. Well, the PBA is it's the, the Professional pro bowling. bowling Association. Sure, sure. But Bowlmore, or what's the name? Bolero is the company. They actually own PBA, and the USBC is is kind of a different entity, I believe. So anyway, so USBC certifies this stuff. So they've actually got, like, if you bowl a 300 and you're in a certified USBC league, you can go into the annals of bowling history and find your name and all that other garbage. So there have been 40 certified 900 series. That's three consecutive 300 games, which is crazy. So a classic bowling series is is three games. Three games. Yeah. So there have been 39 people who have bowled a total of 40 perfect 900 series. So one guy did it twice. Yeah. That guy was 17 and then 18, which is Wow. Yes, I know. I know. It's totally nuts. Some other weird things about bowling that you may or may not know. If you... Miss a single pin anywhere in a bowling string, even what, assuming you pick up the spare. If you miss a single pin anywhere in a bowling string other than the very last strike, that 12th strike, mm-hmm. it is impossible to bowl more than a 290 if you miss a single pin. And that is only if you miss a strike in the very first frame. Otherwise, the highest score you could get would be a 280? Yes, it's a 280, but that's only if you do it in the second frame. <laughs> in the third frame <laughs> through the ninth frame, if you miss a single pin, the highest you can get a 279. So it very quickly goes down. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you miss a single pin and then spare it in the first frame and then you strike out, you get a 290. If you do that in the second frame, you get 20 in the first, 20 in the second, and then 30 in every other frame. Mm-hmm. And then so on, you know, if you do that in the third frame, then it's 29 in the first frame. I mean, it's just like a whole thing. Mm. And it, it's very, very, very difficult when you're talking about bowling scoring. And that's why, like, once you get past, like, 215 to 220, it gets incredibly difficult unless you're stringing a lot of strikes together. Sure, sure. So so that is bowling. That's my sport of choice. I could talk literally for hours about this. I'm not going to do that to you. But don't forget, 300 is perfection. Your mention of nine pins did make me think very briefly. There is a famous story that mentions bowling in the form of nine pins. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. It is the tale of Rip Van Winkle. Oh, okay. So Rip Van Winkle goes up into the mountains. He finds all of these strange little men who are playing nine pins, and they invite him to play with them and then give him something to drink. Oh, and that's the whole... And then he falls asleep for 20 years. Aren't you like a descendant of the Van Winkle clan or something? I mean, my great-grandmother's maiden name was Van Winkle. So yes. So let's say yes. Somewhere in there. Sure. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway... That's my fact. Enjoy it, everybody. And Anitra has a fact about First Move Financial. You know how when you're playing a game and there's something that gives you bonus points at the end of the game? Like the bonus for getting butterflies back to Mexico in Mariposas. It's almost always a good strategy to try to get those points. In real life, there are a few of these opportunities for bonus points with your personal finances. 
One of the easiest to take advantage of is your employer 401k match. Another example is making sure both spouses are maximizing their social security benefits, not getting hit with the government pension offset, or maximizing your retirement savings so it can grow before you need it. If you need help seeing which areas of your personal finance you should be focusing on to get those bonus points, visit firstmovefinancial.com familygamers and schedule a free call with First Move Financial. Thanks again for sponsoring the show. All right. Awesome. So, gosh, Anitra, where do you want to start? I mean, where we always start with what we've been playing. All right. Let's do it. The short version is even more Santorini. So I did finally email our FLGS today and tell them that we need to buy a copy. We really need a copy. In fact, our son is about to be away at camp and he was like, oh no, you're going to have to return Santorini to the library, but I put it on my summer five by five. I need to play it a couple more times. I'm like, it's okay, dude. We will manage to get a copy. I I feel like, I feel like don't worry about it. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we've talked about this game so much, I don't think we really need to keep going. The next game on the list is a game that we are going to be reviewing in the next week or so, and this is another game in the Undo series, Undo Cherry Blossom Festival. So I really liked this Undo. We have been introduced to Undo already with Forbidden Knowledge. This one was significantly less scary than Forbidden Knowledge. I mean, I would say creepy, because scary kind of implies that it was scary. Like, It was basically a murder mystery or a death mystery, Mm -hmm. and it it was a lot easier to feel a remove from it of like, huh, I really wonder how this guy died. I really wondered what these things are that led up to it, versus when we were playing Forbidden Knowledge, it was like, no, no, don't do that. What are you doing? Stop it. (laughs) Well, and in Forbidden Knowledge, there's that whole like insanity mechanic, which actually, air quote, applies to the players. So there's that. Yeah. So Cherry Blossom Festival was an interesting way to travel through a man's life he's fairly elderly when he dies and so most of the game is you traveling through his childhood and young adulthood and trying to piece together all of these various elements in his life and what led to his death yeah i mean i don't think this is spoiling anything to say that it's really sad it's sad it's a sad one so it is not creepy there's no horror here it's sad as more and more of the story is revealed to you mm-hmm All right, so that is Undo Cherry Blossom Festival from Pegasus Spiel. We have been working on our family 10 by 10 for the year, (laughs) which is good because we're less than halfway done and we're more than halfway through the year with some games of Block Ness. This is one of those games where if it doesn't sit out where our kids can see it, they forget it exists. And then they're like, oh, oh, Block Ness. I love that game. Let's play. So Yeah, I I mean, I don't, Block Ness is fine. I don't not like it, but it just, it doesn't, get me going the way it does for almost everybody else in the family. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to love every game, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I like it because it's one of those ones with super fast setup and really accessible. And we can sit down with two or three or four players and play it in about 20 minutes. It's not my favorite game ever, but I enjoy it. And that's part of why I, you know, I was like, yes, that would be a great one to put on the 10 by 10 because we will actually play it. Sure. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. The next one on the list is a game that I took off of our shelf of opportunity. Yes, you did. Because I had wanted to play it for a long time, finally got a copy, and it went promptly on the shelf and sat there for six months. That's the way it works sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a little <laughs> depressing. But this is Sorcerer City from Druid City Games, Skybound Games. And I liked it once we were playing it. 
Man, it was a lot to get into. Well, it wasn't a lot to get. It was a lot of setup. There was a lot of stuff that had to get set up and kind of read through and processed and explained. And once you get there, the game is fun and the game is neat. And I really like what's going on and the puzzle. I feel like the puzzle itself is something that kind of would appeal to you for sure. Yeah, I I liked it too. I mean, it, it, it did appeal to me. The way everything fit together, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Interesting. Well, so this is a real-time tile-laying game, mm-hmm. I guess is what you would call it, and yep. you're building your own little tableau, but there's all kinds of different things that you're trying to go for in different currencies that you're trying to build with your tiles in your tableau, and trying to figure out that balance in real time was tough for me, even at the beginning, Sure. and then with every successive round, you add in these quote-unquote monsters to your tiles, which you will randomly draw. And they all do bad stuff. And then I would have to think about like, oh, well, I drew this monster and I have to figure out how to deal with the bad stuff that it's going to do and how am I going to do this? And I was just not getting a lot of tiles put out by the end of the game. Yeah, that was one thing that was really interesting about this. So because it's real time, you have kind of this internal clock. I mean, you you have a little Santa. There's a timer. It doesn't need to be internal. <laughs> but as you're putting these tiles out, you you know, in order to maximize your points, you need to get all your tiles out. So at the beginning of the game, I had this kind of rushed feeling and I was nowhere near optimizing what I was doing because I didn't realize like, oh, I actually have time to think about this and be a little bit more careful and yada, yada. That didn't really right. cross my mind because I'm like, I got to get these tiles out and then I would finish and I'd be like, oh, the sand timer's like half done. <laughs> and that whole thing was, was really interesting. So at the beginning of the game, I was like, you were going to crush me at this because you did a much better job and you still finished with plenty of time and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. But I did worse and worse as we added more and more tiles to the stack. Right. And I did better and better as we added more yep. to the stack. And at the end of the day, I think I did end up winning that game. Oh, yes, you definitely did. But it was really because I was getting my tiles. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a balance between this whole process of getting, you know, things out in a smart way and getting things out at all. Yeah, I agree. But I wasn't so blown away by this game that I'm like, oh, we're keeping this game. Forget you, lady. So I think we're going to play it a couple more times. And, you know, if you continue to kind of feel the way you do, like, there's not enough there for me to be like, we're going to keep this. Because I just, I think that the itches that it scratches is, are kind of scratched by other games. I do think that like this real-time tiling thing is kind of cool, but... It is neat, but... But I think a game that does real-time tiling in a way that I actually like better is Jetpack Joyride. Yeah. And it's a totally different way. Like, in that game, you're t- laying the tiles to kind of track the route that uh, your guy, whose name I have forgotten... Jerry Barry. Uh, Barry. Barry. Barry Steak Fries. <laughs> Thank you, Half Brick. Anyway, you're putting out the path that Barry is taking. And so that's definitely different than trying to optimize your tiles for, you know, the city that you're building a reorg. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But I think I like it better. And it's definitely easier to set up. And there's solo stuff in there and all this, you know, whatever. So And it's a much smaller box. Well, you're there's that. Just saying. So <laughs> at the end of the day, I just don't know if there's a uniqueness to this that gets it over the hump. To keep it on the mm-hmm, shelf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's a bad game. It's just where it is. Might not be the right game for us. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's something about that with a lot of Druid City stuff in general. Like, I really like everything that they do. And I love, obviously, the production quality is really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's very dependent on the game, whether it hits for 
someone or not. Like, does Tidal Blades hit for someone or not? Like, certainly the critique, air quote, of this game is way more complicated than what you actually get at the end of the day. Like, I very much understand that with mm-hmm, Druid mm-hmm. City stuff. Sometimes that's fine because the theme just works and the art is great. And that core mechanic is something that is fun and you want to keep iterating on it and whatever. Like, we absolutely love the Grim Forest for that reason. It is a really fun kind of deduction-y kind of game, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a total blast. A game like Tidal Blades, we enjoy it and it's fun, but at the end of the day, it is a really simple worker placement game with some unique mechanics and dice evolution. And one of the things that hurts Tidal Blades is you really need at least three players to play it well. You're not wrong about that. Tidal Blades 2, totally different style of game. Mm -hmm. And that one actually has less setup to get into it. I've only played a little bit of it and we don't have it. So so there's, you know, that. But like Guardian's Call just didn't hit with us because we don't really like bluffing games. Barnard Roundup, kind of same deal. So it's really dependent on whatever that core mechanic is because they're going to take a simple core mechanic and they're going to deliver it extremely well. But if you don't love that core mechanic, then a lot of the other stuff feels like noise. Yeah. And so we're like, I think we're on the fence with Sorcerer City in that yeah. regard. Well, and like you said, we're going to play it a couple more times before we make a final decision mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. All right. Next um, is a game. Now. You mentioned our family 10 by 10. Yes. And how we are halfway through the year and we are less than halfway through our family 10 by 10. Yes. Before this week, we had zero plays of this game slash system tracked on our 10 by 10. No, I'm pretty sure we had one. Okay. We had one game. (laughs) We got Marvel dice thrown in the mail three days ago and we now have five. (laughs) Well, I've played it once. You've played it once. Mm -hmm. The kids have played it together without us. At least twice. <laughs> well, that's that's it, and that's that's five, that's five more times. Yeah, so already in three days, we're now halfway finished with the dice throne. Yeah, so we got Marvel dice thrown in, and this is a game that we kickstarted. Mm-hmm. We got the battle chest, what limited edition, whatever. Whatever thing. they call it. I yeah, know. I don't know. Eight heroes in one box. It's. I really like the battle chest. Like it's that, pretty that cool. Kind of approach. We have the original Dice Throne Season One thing, like before they did rerolled. So it yeah. wasn't really a battle chest. I mean, it's in one box, but it's not the air quote newer way that they do it. And yeah. we didn't get the Season Two battle box. We have a few things from Season Two. Mm-hmm. Season One, we have the original ones before they did the individual trays and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is kind of our first experience with a battle box, and it's nice. I mean, it's it a, is nice. It's a big box. Uh, yes, know? it's a big box, but <laughs> yes. it's it's nice. All the heroes I've seen so far, either playing or watching other people play in Marvel Dice Throne, have been really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the variety that's represented there in mechanics and styles, and it really does fit the different heroes well. Our kids keep playing rock paper scissors for whoever <laughs> gets to be Loki. <laughs> Yeah. Because one of Loki's major abilities is to cast an illusion that may or may not let him avoid all damage. Yeah. And it hit me a few times. Yeah. Uh, We got halfway through the game and I was at like half health and I don't think I had really hit Loki much at all. In fact, most of the damage that Loki took was reaction damage because I was playing as Black Panther. Sure. I got curb stomped, by the way. I, I just, I was rolling incredibly poorly. Well, so that's the thing about Dice Throne is yeah. there is a lot of luck in the rolls. 
I played as the Miles Morales Spider-Man, who is very straightforward as a hero, and I like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things about him is that he actually has fewer symbols on his dice, fewer different symbols. Sure. So it's easier to get some of the quote-unquote low-value rolls because there are just so many of them on the dice to begin with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, you know what? I rolled all of this low-value symbol. I can hit you for six damage right off. Yes, I'm just going to do that. Take it. I'm, Take I'm it. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. So yeah, I I mean we're gonna definitely play more I, so much more of this. You know, yes. it's gonna come out. It's probably not gonna come out quite as much as Santorini, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is definitely a game that we're gonna play a fair bit of. So that is Marvel Dice Throne. All right, and that's it for what we've been playing this week. But before we get to the monthly report, yes, we have a small piece of news. We do. So you may remember that there was this title that I saw at the Gamma Expo that I came home and was gushing about that we got in for review, and that was Magic Mountain from Amigo Games. Magic Mountain is fantastic, and apparently... The world agrees! Yeah, it won the Kinderspiel de Jar. Woohoo! So congratulations to Amigo for that. This game is... I mean, you can head over to thefamilygamers.com and watch the Snap Review for this, or go to youtube.com forward slash thefamilygamers. And it's this kind of Plinko-ish game where you are trying to sort of direct these marbles as they fall down a hill. And it is incredibly simple and it is incredibly fun. This is one of those games that really everybody enjoys playing. I think I may have mentioned that when we were at PAX East, it was in the like new hotness area. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those where people would walk up to it and be like, what is this? And if I was nearby, I was like, let me show you. I will teach you how to play this game in 30 seconds. This is, I mean, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. This is a game where you play it and you're like, why? Why, why is this am so I fun? so into this thing? <laughs> yes. It's so simple. You know what I mean? It's yes. just, it's, it's almost frustrating. <laughs> well, it's one of these, for us heavier gamer types, it's like, this is not usually what I look for in a game. This game is like 90% luck. strategy and 5%, I don't know, fancy colors. Yeah, yeah, but it just works. And yet, it's just so great. Mm -hmm. So that's Magic Mountain from Amigo. You should definitely check out our review. The video shows you a little bit of how it works. Get on this one because your kids are going to love it. It's very, very fun. And you will too. It really is, yeah. (laughs) All right, and now it is time for the monthly report for the month of June. Not a good one for me, honey. Did, did you hit your 30 plays in the 30 days of June? I did not. Uh, you were so close. I know. I got all the way to 27. Oh. And then I didn't play a game after the 27th because last week was terrible. It was crazy terrible. Yes. yes. I also have zero fives. I mean, that's not that surprising. The only game that I played at least five times in June was The Key, Theft at Cliff Rock Villa. I played that one three times. That's on my list. That's yeah. the top. You and I played it three times, and then our kids were like, oh, yeah, this game, and played it with me four more times. Yeah. So I don't really understand. I don't either. Okay. This is going to be something for feedback. I would love to hear from people because when you say, it is time to get rid of this game, what do your kids do? <laughs> I want to know because I can tell you what my kids do, and the answer is, you played the key seven times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> some friend of ours was like hey we're gonna give this one to mr Corey so he can play it with his family and they're like cool no 
Not until we play all of the right? colors. I don't, I don't know. Like, Whatever. Okay, anyway, suddenly, anyway. sure. So that's kind of where that one came from. One so, of the kids stuck it on their summer 5 by 5 Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So let's see. I had 27 plays of 19 games. Okay. I should give you an idea how many games I played one time. The Key, Theft at Cliff Rock Villa, and Point Salad. I played both of those three times. Then Master Word, Quacks of Quedlinburg, So Clover, and Unmatched I played two times. And then everything else I played one time. Okay. I played most of my games on Sundays and Wednesdays, apparently. Those are the days when we can make time, apparently. Yeah. Sunday, 26%. Wednesday, 26%. All right. Those are my most common days to play games. Played everything at home. 11 players, H index of two. I played 25 of my 27 games with you. Well, that's a little bit sad. I'm sorry. I feel like my monthly report is always a little bit sad. I mean, you were on track to do better. and then Someday. And then the last week Someday. of June fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? My June was 57 plays of 31 games. My H index is three. <laughs> there are a lot of games I played at least three times. Okay. Give me the list. The key, theft at Cliff Rock Villa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the comic book bubble, which we will be releasing a preview of pretty soon, mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks. That's going to be on Kickstarter by the end of July. Under Falling Skies, which you may remember I mentioned early in June, I was ready to be done playing that game. <laughs> but then also A Gentle Rain, Animal Upon Animal Jr., Point Salad, Santorini, and Unmatched. So those are the hot hits. Those are the hot hits. I mean, those are the ones that I feel like I talk about almost every week. Well, I mean, there because you go. I mean, I'm the, playing them. Right. Exactly. Right? All right. All right. Well, I'm sorry to have disappointed everybody for another month, but I'm going to try really hard. July is not going to be good. I'm going to be honest with you. We're traveling a lot. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. We'll try. Lots of plays of Cow Tiger Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll bring the uh, Board Game Tables bag, sponsored by BoardGameTables.com, and uh, put some games in there that we can bring along with us and uh, and play this. What do you think of that? That sounds like a plan. I mean, at least we'll be staying at the same place for a week and a half. Even yes. Though we're traveling, so we'll be able to do that. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back... We have so much. We're going to welcome our new community members. We are going to do our four science. I'm looking at that package. We don't even know what's in it. Neither of us knows what's inside. Nope, we haven't even opened it. So you're going to get some four science package opening ASMR. And then we're going to do four science. And the listener who sent us the four science sent us his review of the same stuff in an email that we are not allowed to open. I mean, and, you know, I respect his wishes. So that is sitting in our inbox as well. So we're going to. Look at that back talk, that for science back talk, and then go into the rest of our back talk, everything that has been provided for episode 300. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the family gamer. How we got here. eh, What we're doing. What we're doing. What we're looking forward to. How our coverage has changed. Yeah. Things like that. And then we're going to save the giveaway until the end. All right. That sounds (laughs) like a plan. All right. We'll be right back. Salad, yuck! Don't worry, Asher. You only have to create this salad, not eat it. Whew. This is a snap review for Point Salad, a fast-moving set collection game. Up to six chefs can compete to make the best salad in 15 to 30 minutes. Point Salad was designed by Molly Johnson, Robert Melvin, and Sean Stankowicz, 
and it's published by AEG and Flatout Games. Asher is so grossed out by the veggies that he's got to leave, but I'm going to talk about the art. The art in Point Salad is exceptionally clear, with a flat 2D rendering of each veggie type. The six vegetables are all marked by different colors as well as their shapes. Although we do occasionally mix up the purple cabbage and pink onions on the point cards where they're small. Speaking of the point cards, they convey a lot of information with little or no text and without feeling cluttered. This is one of the most accessible designs I've ever seen for a game with multi-use cards. So let's talk about the mechanics or how you play point salad. After choosing the appropriate number of each vegetable for the player count, shuffle the deck and split it into three roughly equal piles point side up. Flip out the top two cards from each pile to make a vegetable market. On your turn, you can pick one of the three available point cards or two vegetables from the six that are in the market. Either way, your chosen cards go down on the table in front of you. You can also flip one of your point cards to its vegetable side if you want but you can never flip a vegetable back to the point side. So choose wisely. You're trying to get the most points for your veggies. As soon as the turn is over, refresh the market if necessary. Play continues around the table until all the cards have been taken, both from the point card piles and from the veggie market. Then use your point cards to see how much your collected veggies are worth. Who has made the most valuable salad? So what did we expect from point salad? This is a game that's won a lot of board game awards, including a 2021 Spiel des Jahres recommended. We had seen it back in 2019, but not actually played it. I like the pun in the name, but a pun is not enough to build a good game on. I did expect it to be fast moving and pretty simple to get into, because it's just a set collection card game, right? Surprise! This is not just a set collection game. The way the point cards work, you're always looking at goals that change based on what's available. Every turn, you have a choice between veggies or a point card, and that point card likely won't be there next time. So you ask yourself, are there veggies out there that I really need? Or can I get a goal that works for me with the veggies I already have? Some of the point cards give negative points, so that goes into the calculation too. You do get some ability to predict what's coming because the veggie backside is indicated on the corner of the front point side. At the end of the game, you'll be thinking about your opponent's goals. Since the game doesn't end until every card is gone from the market, you can force other players to take veggies that are bad for them. The setup was also a little bit surprising. It's more than I expected for a simple card game. You have to count out a specific quantity of each veggie any different player count. But this additional setup is totally worth it. It means that there's always a balanced amount of veggies no matter how many players you have, while allowing for variety in different kinds of point cards. Just one more surprise, there is so little reading required in this game. Every vegetable card has its name, of course, but the only thing young players actually need to be able to read to play are the numbers up to 10 and a few instructional words, like most, fewest, even, odd. Adults can actually help with reading these words, but kids will get better at recognizing them the more that they play. 
This is why I recommend Point Salad as a game that can help struggling readers. Check out the link below for my list of ways to use board games to help teach and reinforce reading. So do we recommend Point Salad? Uh, Yes, we heartily recommend Point Salad here at The Family Gamers. It's great for casual family play. And since it allows six players, it accommodates for a slightly larger than average family, like ours. Non-reading kids can even play this game independently, although they may want help with a word here or there. So Asher's back. Asher, what are we going to rate Point Salad? We're going to give it four and a half chopped veggies out of five. Just don't make me eat them. And that's Point Salad in a snap. And we're back. So the first thing we're going to do is welcome our newest members of the Family Gamers community. With at least one name you'll recognize. Uh, At least one, (laughs) yes. All right, I'll start us off. Welcome to Patrick. Welcome to Brandy. Welcome to Chris. About time, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Chris is a friend of ours from college. Welcome to Danny Efforts! <laughs> if you didn't see it, Danny is our community manager from Sovereignty. She was on the show last, last week, week, and she popped into the community to share a free 60 days of Platinum Sovereignty that allows you to play all of the games on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you should go find that code. You should definitely go do that. Yeah. And welcome to Sylvia. Welcome to Sylvia. Thanks so much for coming and joining the community. Lots of great stuff going on in there. We have 567 members in the Family Gamers community. And uh, I'm going to say it again. Thanks for not making it an administrative headache. Yeah. I really appreciate it. We're already talking there about the games that we're playing this weekend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. It's time. (laughs) So while Anitra is working on this package... It is Joseph Renninger who sent us this mysterious thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pull up his email about whatever this thing is and their family's reaction to consuming it. Anitra is looking in the package, pulling out the bubble wrap. Here we go. All right. Nothing else in this envelope. Unwrap the bubble wrap. Oh, it's then also wrapped in paper. Dear Andrew and Anitra, here's a little something for science. Registered trademark. <laughs> I hope it's more odd than horrible. The sale was two for $4. So my family will be trying it too. Play games with your kids. Joseph Renninger. Awesome. Absolutely amazing. This is the stuff oh, that keeps us going. And what do we have, Anitra? Kit Kat Blueberry Muffin. I mean, this is right there for yeah. science. Okay. Before we kind of start this process off, we should talk about what this thing is. What do you think this is going to taste like? Because I have theories. All right, well, looking at the picture on the outside of the package, I mean, obviously it's a Kit Kat. It's one of those Kit Kats where they don't even try to pretend there's any chocolate in it. (laughs) It's got a picture of not just a blueberry muffin, but like a blueberry muffin with a big crumble topping on it. And it says crisp wafers in blueberry muffin flavored cream or creme. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about that. Ooh. The color on the outside of the package is like a light purple. The actual color of these things is kind of a uh, taupe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wafers inbound. So uh, Anitra did not take half when she handed me the package. I took two sticks. That's enough. Oh, my goodness. So it let's smells get, very much let's like artificial get back blueberry. to bowling for a moment. It smells like that bowling ball you yeah. have. Yeah. So there is a company called Storm. Storm Bowling started this 
gimmick, I assume, a while ago when I was out of the sport where they actually sent their bowling balls. Now, Storm owns a lot of different lines or brands. They own Roto Grip and 900 Global and some other stuff. But the actual Storm brand stuff, they sent them. So when I came back to bowling after like 20 year hiatus, I bought a new bowling ball. I bought the IQ Tour Fusion. That's what the name of the bowling ball was. It was scented like blueberry muffin. And I mostly remember this because there were a couple times that you left it in the car, quote, to bake out the oil. Which I've now learned is actually a very bad thing to do to bowling balls. And then the entire car smelled like artificial blueberry for weeks afterwards. Yeah, that is the smell that is currently assaulting my senses. It's and almost melting identical. onto my hands. It is also melting, yeah, onto our hands. It's been a little warm lately, so we're gonna go ahead and eat this. Here we go. Oh, it's got that weird kind of flowery taste. Floral. It's got a kind of a floral taste to it. I mean, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. You know what it makes me think of more than blueberry? Go ahead. It makes me think of lavender. It almost tastes okay. like lavender. I can see that. Yeah, I'm getting the blueberry here. I mean, there's some there. I'm getting it kind of on the aftertaste. Yeah. A while ago, we did a for science with like strawberry cream Kit Kats or something like that. I saw those in the store the other day. Yeah. You didn't buy any good, right? No, I didn't good, buy any more. Good. So the problem with the strawberry cream Kit Kats was that there was the base and then the strawberry flavor, and then it was sweet on top of that. These don't have that second level sweetness, or at least I'm not tasting it. Yeah. No, it's about the sweetness I would expect from like a white chocolate. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. And that actually helps. That is actually a lot better. If you ask me, yeah. I don't think that this is something that I would go out and buy more of. Listen, if you're going to buy alternate flavor Kit Kats, which are, by the way, over the last two or three years, Kit Kats have been slowly rising on my um, on my candy thing. Favored candy. They have not overtaken OG Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but I actually think that OG Kit Kats are above any modified Reese's Peanut Butter Cup right now. Wow. So OG is still above, but like... I will take Kit Kats before I'll take like a Reese's Big Cup, for example, or the Peanut Butter Lovers or any of that stuff, or or even like Reese's with Pieces or whatever those things are, any of that stuff. It's like right there as, as 1A. So I love Kit Kats. I mean, I love them. If you're going to get a flavor modified Kit Kat, the one you want to go for is the Mocha. The one. Mocha. It yeah. is so good. <laughs> it is excellent. I uh, really have trouble with any Kit Kat that is not chocolate, chocolate based. <laughs> the, well, and, uh, the, and the Mocha is. Like, right. that's part of no, what makes it, totally it good. It is, right. No, it is. The dark chocolate and mint one is also pretty good. Yeah. But it's so, not as good as the Mocha. And yeah. So that's kind of the thing with this blueberry one is it's fine. So they use the white chocolate Kit Kat as a base. Yeah. But, I, and I lo- I'm actually a white chocolate fan. I A lot of people don't like white chocolate. That's fine. I'm not offended. It's fine. Yeah, you better not be. One of those people is me. Yeah. It's not good in Kit Kats. Like, I've had the white chocolate Kit Kats. It, yeah, it's, it's not the not right. Great. It's not a good flavor combination in general. So any of these flavors is starting with that white chocolate base. I think that's a little bit problematic. Yeah. But that being said, so uh, thank you. Joseph, for sharing these with us, you hit the nail on the head. It is 100% an excellent for science experiment. And here is your thoughts on this. My family tried the limited edition blueberry muffin Kit Kat for science. We weren't horrified or wowed by the flavor. We definitely tasted some blueberry and a sort of muffin flavor. I don't know if you have those Entenmann Little Bite muffins in stores where you are. I know exactly what you're talking about. We do have those. I have never had them. But this Kit Kat definitely had the same flavor as their blueberry mini muffins, which says that the Kit Kat company nailed it because it's not a blueberry Kit Kat. It's a blueberry muffin Kit Kat. He does go on to say that the little Entenmann mini muffins don't 
quite taste like real muffins. <laughs> so, I mean, that's fitting here. It tastes like this artificial muffin-like thing that's already not quite a muffin. And I think he's right. I can see where he's coming from on that. Yeah, so, you know, so I've still got, obviously, the aftertaste of this thing in my mouth. And you know what it's honestly taking me back to, and this is going to be kind of depressing, is did you ever eat school lunch when you were in school? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, so... Sometimes the school lunch would have like a crappy blueberry muffin that came with it. Sure. Yep. That's the flavor yep, in my that's mouth the flavor. right now. And like I, I literally am like flashing back to walking through the halls after lunch with my stomach just like vaguely dissatisfied about this crappy <laughs> blueberry muffin thing that I just had. Now, all of that being said, like I'm not a big blueberry muffin guy. Like as you know, Anitra, and as most of our listeners do not know, I really don't like fruit in stuff. I'm fine with fruit, but if it's not apple, I probably don't want it in something. The one exception lately, I've really been getting into lemon poppy seed stuff, but that's kind of an exception. I mean, I had an excellent lemon blueberry scone earlier today. Yeah, but that's you. I'm talking about me. I know, but but I'm saying like, I feel like if it's not real fruit in the thing, mm. I'm not terribly interested in your artificial berry flavor. <laughs> well, but... Even a scone like that, there's a lot of like pectin sweetness that yeah. you don't get when you eat the regular fruit. And so that's yeah. kind of the thing that I really don't care for with a lot of that stuff. Sure, uh, sure. For some reason, for, with apple, it just works for me. Whatever. I sure. So, I mean, every flavored thing, whether it's real or not, that has that, like, starts at a disadvantage. Like, it literally took me 20 years to like Wachusa Blueberry Ale, which is a, I'm sorry. a local beer. But the last time I had it, I was like, nope, I'm good. I like this now. So it took a while, but I got there. But anyway, <laughs> All right. I don't think we will be buying any more. This is Joseph again. On the other hand, two out of three kids came back for seconds. That is because children like sugar. It has nothing <laughs> to do with flavor. I mean, <laughs> I will freely admit that we went to the dollar store a week or two ago, and one of the kids voluntarily bought circus peanuts and then sat in the car eating them and being like, mm, these are so good. And I'm like, okay. who are you? But How are you related weird. to me? He is a weird <laughs> child. Also, I'm going to submit this for, you know, for evidence as well. Plenty of companies literally sell packets of flavored sugar that our children pour down their throats. Yeah, but I liked that too when I was a kid. Like, I know, kid it's a kid like thing. That. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's, it's whatever it takes to get sugar into your system, and it doesn't even have to be hidden in some kind of food. It is literally a tube of sugar <laughs> Colored that sugar. you cut open and pour down your throat. I mean, to be fair, if I think back, old-timey rock candy is the same thing. It is literally just colored sugar. So I know, but at least that's got a cool texture. When you're pouring <laughs> sugar down your throat? <laughs> what I'm saying is the idea of candy that is literally just sugar and nothing else is not actually anything new. I so it was new. I just said the kids love it. Uh, yes. <laughs> but anyway, one more example of this. By the way, I just want everybody to know before I close out this for science segment, I am working on some uh some potential new things with for science. Anitra and I have been discussing. I had a, mm -hmm. a I had an idea mm -hmm. this week that I'm trying to get going and I hope that it will be uh, fun and interesting and a little bit more frequent as well. All right. All right. So with this and with Joseph Renninger's feedback, it is time to get into our episode 300 back talk. All right. We won't take it from our kids, but we'll take it from you. We love it from you. Yes. I'm going to start off with a recording. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. All right. Andrew and Anitra, this is Mark from Grand Gamers Guild. It has been an absolute pleasure to be the smallest part of the family gamers journey. I am happy to call you guys friends not just industry friends, congratulations on 300 episodes. 
Looking forward to 300 more and can't wait to see you soon. Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> it was Thanks, sweet. Mark. So the biggest problem that I have with these like tent pole shows, like 100, 200, 300, yeah. is that refrain. 100, it was like, congratulations on 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. Like, okay, that's a little overwhelming. 200, congratulations on 200. Here's 200 more. Okay, that's a little bit daunting. Maybe we can do that. 600 episodes is downright terrifying. If we are still doing this in six more years, I I don't know. I, oh, boy. But in, in all seriousness, thank you so much, Mark. Mark has truly become a friend of ours personally. Even if we threw in the towel, so to speak, because our kids aren't kids anymore and whatever, I think we would still remain friends with Mark. It has been a joy and a blessing to get to know him through his games and even just kind of beyond and, you know, have him meet our kids and hang out at the conventions and then, you know, find opportunities to spend some time together. Mark actually might be on the show in a couple of weeks. We're going to be staying with him because yeah. he's keeping the hotel. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> and to think it all started with an unsolicited copy of Pocket Ops that he sent to us and was like, I would love you to review this, but even if you don't review it, please just play it. You know what? I mean, <laughs> it's all good, man. You make good stuff. It was great. I, I think we've got pretty much everything that you make almost on our shelves. I haven't picked up any of the Artemis stuff yet. Or the Belgian beer race. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. That would be another fun one to play. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, maybe we'll play that in a couple weeks. Anyway, Maybe we will. <laughs> thanks so much to Mark for sending in that message. We truly appreciate it. And again, it's a joy to have you in our corner. You're more than the littlest part. Aww. So I want to mention that Michael from the Game Schooler podcast emailed in regard to when we said, uh, I demand a fact. The well, listeners demand a fact. Yeah, because he demanded a fact. He did demand a fact, but he also made us an offer. He did. He offered us a couple of chances over the next year or so to do some fact searching for us. <laughs> and we're going to be taking him up on that very, very soon. Yes. He's like the fact searching genie. Now. <laughs> like I can rub the lamp and I get three facts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Which is exciting. I like that. Ryan Deloney wrote in, thank you for all of your content. As my family has grown through the years from early yellow Haba boxes to today, you could still play the early Yellow Hobbit games. I mean, Come you on, can. Man. Your podcast has always helped guide our gaming experience and made us enjoy more quality time together. Play games with your kids. All right. And that's that's our mission. That's really what we want to do with this whole thing. So I'm glad for that. And I hope that as your kids get a little bit older and as our kids get a little bit older, the games that we kind of migrate into as we go through this parenting journey, because it's a journey, will continue to be helpful. We have some really, really cool stuff coming up that we're going to be reviewing in the next couple of months. Some of it is just really remarkable, and we're excited to write about it and talk about it. Mm -hmm. We got an email from a new member of the community, Sean, who signed up for our newsletter as mm -hmm. part of the episode 300 giveaway. Yes. But he responded to the thanks for signing up to our newsletter email. And he said, you know, hey, I've joined because I've been into this hobby for about 10 years now, but became a dad just over two years ago. Congratulations. Congratulations, Sean. I would like to share my hobby with my son as he grows up and promote a time for us together. I'm just trying to learn more about kid and toddler games to start growing my collection. I also have several nieces and a nephew that really like to play board games. So I'm always on the lookout for games that play well with them, too. Yeah. I mean, listen. 
I am the oldest of my siblings, and so I didn't have any nieces and nephews to practice on, and you're an only child, so you didn't have any nieces and nephews to practice on. So use that, because here's the thing, and this is really important. We've talked about this before on the show, but cardboard doesn't expire. No, definitely not. So if you have an opportunity to pick something up that might be fun to play with your nieces and nephews, you can just hold on to it. Yeah, you can. And if it works for them, there's a good chance, not guaranteed, but a good chance it's going to work for your kiddo. Kids are just a lot less discerning about the kinds of games that they will like. Um, You'll certainly learn the mechanics that click with them. But beyond that, they're just a lot less discerning. So you may have a five-year-old niece or nephew that you enjoy playing Monza with. Or, you know, they like the idea of Monza. Maybe maybe they've seen you play something like Downforce and they want to try it. So you get a copy of Monza and you play that with your niece or your nephew. They have a good time with it. Tuck that away because, I mean, that's a great game anyway. That's a but great game for kids. Tuck that away. And then in a couple of years when your little one is old enough, they can try it and they can play that game. So you've got the advantage of having practice kids in your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all of my and practice. And then you get to be the cool uncle. All of my practice kids came after our kids. Right. How so like that? I'm using the lessons that I learned with our kids to now help other parents mm-hmm. play games with their kids. They're not right? practice kids. They're nostalgic kids. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> All right. We did get another email from Zach, our new friend, Zach. Hey, Zach. Uh, hi, Andrew and Andrew. It's Zach again. I'm so excited for you guys since the next episode you're recording is episode 300. I'm excited to hear it. I love listening to it, especially like the facts. Thanks for bringing your podcast into the world. Thanks, Zach. You are welcome. By the way, I talked to Zach's mom, who did in fact confirm, yes, he listens to you every night, which is kind of weird, but kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, yes. I feel like there's probably better things to listen to at night than us, but I appreciate Not it. Not when you're I, 12 years old. I, I, look, our kids don't listen to us every night. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, but no, that's, that's totally awesome. So... Speaking of episode 300, just a little bit of a retrospective. We have actually been doing this for more than six years. For anybody who has not been with us from the early, early days, we committed to a weekly podcast early in 2017, about five and a half years ago. At that point, we had done about 35 episodes over about 18 months. <laughs> life was busy. Life was crazy. Yeah, I mean, we had yeah, little kids. We moved, all that stuff. Yeah. However... We have managed to stick with a weekly podcast at about 50 episodes a year for five years and change. That's nuts. Is there like a merit badge for this? <laughs> like, I, I really need to know. Podcaster's merit badge. I, it's I don't know. I mean, I just, it's grueling. <laughs> I think one of the reasons it works for us is because, A, it's the two of us and this has become a normal part of our schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, B, we actually like spending time with each other and talking. That's pretty great. You know. I mean, that's good, right? Yeah. I mean, I will say this a little bit of, uh, you know, under the covers. There are absolutely times when, like, we will have an argument or something. Like, <laughs> truly, we are a very blessed couple. We don't really fight. Like, we, we have, like, disagreements, but we don't really fight. We've had, like, in our, whatever, 18 years of marriage, like, two knockdown, drag out, full on fights. Uh, yeah. But we'll sometimes, like, have an argument. And in the back of my head, I'm telling you this is true. I'm like, oh, we have to record tonight. <laughs> But it just falls away. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really hang on bitterness anyway, but like, at least for me, like, I just, I don't think about any of that stuff when we're doing the show. Oh, I try not to when we're doing the show. Great. Oh, great. <laughs> just being brutally honest here. You have never been anything but brutally honest with me. I know. So I guess I mostly <laughs> appreciate that. 
But, you know, I mean, with this whole retrospective thing, like, our youngest, Elliot, just turned eight years old. So when we started doing the show, he was basically one. Yeah, one and a half. And he's our youngest, and we're done, you know, barring some kind of weird miracle. And so as he gets older, we are past this season of life. We do not have a child that we even need to buckle in anymore. Like, those are things that are are kind of real. And uh, that is also true in a board game sense. We already mentioned it. We don't have resources in-house to play test like My Very First games anymore. I mean, we kind of can, and Elliot was able to help out with the My Very First Animal Upon Animal, which is the, the one that we did recently. But our general gamer taste as a family, I mean, you and my taste hasn't really changed, but as a family, it's starting to trend towards things that are a little, a little bit more complicated. Our eight-year-old is a fluent reader. And so reading games, I mean, unless you're talking about a narrative adventure, it's not a problem for us anymore. It's not really something that we have to kind of work our way through. Yeah, For us, it's now multi-step logic is the thing where we we start to see our eight-year-old, you know, fall down a little bit because he just, he can't, I mean. He's just not he, there yet. He's a classic eight-year-old boy. This child, <laughs> you tell him three things to do and he can't remember it. So yeah. his, the odds of him being able to do this in a board game, not likely. But, you know, taking my own advice a little bit, we have so much that we now can introduce to him kind of for the first time. Uh, yeah, ones that our older kids already played a bunch and then maybe moved on from and we go, hey, wait a minute. You never really were ready to play this before. Yeah. Um, We talked about this a little bit before with the key that literally the difference of six or eight months made all the difference for him that Mm -hmm. like I sat down and played it with him once cooperatively because he really wanted to play it. And then he's like, you know what, mom, I think I can handle this now. Like, okay. And now he can. And it's amazing. I mean, it is truly amazing to watch the same kid six months later pick up a game that like we tried and it did not work. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it works. And it's just, it's, it's yep. awesome. It's really cool to see as a gaming parent. In our office, where most of our games are, we have games generally separated by genre, more or less. People talk about, like, what's your way of, of organizing? So, like, our party games are in one cube, or our roll and rights are mostly in one cube, or our, you know, cooperative games, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I'm looking at our roll and rights, and, and I remember Dungeon Academy from the op. Yeah. Dungeon Academy from the op, great roll and write game. It's kind of a path writing game. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. that we would play with Elliot when he was, I mean, at this point, probably he was about five. five. And the way it works is there's a timer and you start the timer and everybody has to draw a path through the dungeon. And for various reasons, you know, people kind of draw paths in different ways, but you can just draw a line right through your dungeon. And I remember we would play this with Elliot and he would just draw a line right through the dungeon. And then whoever finishes their path first gets to choose from some cards that are ill, which have perks on them. They, they'll get the first choice. Of so those, he yeah. would always get the first choice of cards. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point we were making the agent of chaos joke with him and he would always get the first pick, but his I mean, his dungeon wouldn't be kind of worth much, but he could play the game with us. And that was the key. It didn't really matter what the score was. He could play the game with us. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, "Mm, you know what? I mean, that might not even be a game that we need to keep on our shelf anymore because the game was fun and the game was fine. But the reason we kept that game was Was, because he could play it. Was because he could play it without having a full concept of all of the things that you could do in the game. Or some kind of like mega handicap or something like that. That was the reason why we kept that game. And we might be past, like, that might be a season of life thing that we are now past. Right. I was actually thinking the same thing about 
Go Nuts for Donuts, which we have said for years is one of those games where, in theory, you need to be able to read, you need to be able to make some of these decisions and understand how to do set collection. But in practice, you can throw a non-reading kid or two into the mix. Mm-hmm. That is very much the Agent of Chaos and every, thing, but that's okay. And everybody can still have fun with it. Yes, absolutely. Again, that's one where we probably played it a lot more than we would have otherwise because it's one we could pull a little kid into without it being a little kid game. Yeah. So and what that has done for us now is that we are especially attuned to the availability of games that play five players. Like that's yes. the piece now because... Yes. It may not happen every time, but we absolutely have a situation in our family where we could get the whole family around the table to play a game. And it's really disappointing when we pull out a game and maybe we were only intending to play with three or four players. And then the person who was going to be left out comes over and is like, oh, man, I really wanted to play, too. That's a terrible feeling. Yes. Well, when you can't because the game only supports four players. Yeah, and then we have to do like kind of the weird like, well, you can be on my team thing, which sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You, generally, as parents, what that basically means is you can take my place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's fine, and that's totally okay. But you know, this is kind of that process that we're going through right now, where we look and we're like, yeah, th- our lives are changing, yeah. our experiences with our kids are changing, and our board games, because we are such a board game centric family, and they're not the center of our family. God, it's the center of our family, but they're a huge part of our family and because our family is changing the collection needs to change too to reflect that mm-hmm. and you know again I, i'm i'm big on purging i'm big on not keeping stuff around merely for the sake of keeping stuff around by the way if you want a copy of seven wonders just you know send me a message as long as you pay <laughs> shipping you can have it this constant cycle happens as the family changes as well yeah yeah i agree i've got another milestone for you that you may or may not be aware of Sure. I'm pretty sure you remember what our first Snap Review was, but do you remember when it was? Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know if I remember what it was. All right. Well, I already gave you two little hints on this, so let's uh, let's see if you can guess this with some yes or no questions. Okay. Are we going to put a timer on this or something like um, that? Sure. I'll set a timer on. I'll let you know when, if you've reached a minute without, <laughs> without guessing what it is. Are you ready? <laughs> no. Let's go. Okay, so it's got to be a relatively short game. Uh, let's see. Um, is it? Uh, is it a kids game? Not really. Okay. Is it? Uh, oh my gosh, this is hard. Uh, is it kids table war games? No. Okay. Uh, is it game right? No. Dang it. Um. Is it a? Is it a, a publisher I would find in like a like a a normal store probably okay um is it uh a game that we still have yes oh, no is it um oh my gosh uh 15 seconds oh no um is it uh a big box no a uh, small box game uh is it uh five shy? seconds no oh man uh <laughs> Three, two, um, one. I, I don't, Final guess. Oh, man. We've done 170 of these or something like that. We have, in fact, done 170 snap uh, reviews. If I tell you it was July 2018, does that ring any not bells? Really? No, not really. I didn't think so. Um, good grief. I don't know. 
our first ever snap review was Jetpack Joyride. Oh, <laughs> which we were oh. talking about earlier. <laughs> Man, holy cow! So technically, it was a preview, but. That was the one where we were like, oh, man, we can't just take a bunch of picture of this and write something. Right. We need to give you the sense of how quickly this game moves. Mm. And it's too bad we weren't doing video yet because that would have been a really great game for some video. You know, I mean, talking about legacy and changes and, and what happens over time, look at Lucky Duck Games and what they've I know, done right? over the last five years or so. You know, Lucky Duck, I mean, we had Vince on the show maybe a year ago now. I don't remember how long ago it was. I think it was like six months ago. Yeah, um, but they've, you know, they started out, I mean, Vince came from the video game world, so they really started out trying to make board games out of video games, essentially. You know, they did Kingdom Rush, and they did Jetpack Joyride, and they did the Fruit Ninja game, and then they started doing a lot of their own original stuff. They've always been kind of tech-heavy because that's where their roots are, Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing. By the way, I think we can talk about this. They're coming out with a game for their Lucky Duck Kids line called Turtle Splash. Oh, it's adorable. I am so excited for this game. It is easy to make difficult. Yes. So you think, I'm, I'm not really going to get into the game all that much, but you think about like bumpers at a bowling alley. Imagine if you could just pop them up, pop them down uh, for each bowler, which yeah. by the way, some of the higher tech bowling alleys, you can do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a quick change like that. It's not like, hold on, I got to take the whole board apart to do a thing. So yeah, Turtle Splash is coming later this year and I am excited. It's going to be real cool. It's gonna yeah. Be so... The first game was Jetpack Joyride. That was our first Snap Review four years ago yeah. in 2018. That was a pretty good idea I had. It was a pretty good idea. <laughs> that was yet another one where I was skeptical and you were right. I am so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that three years later, Snap Reviews would become like 90% me and 10% you. I'm just the talent. I just look pretty on camera. I know, right? Which is why I haven't been on the last two. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, look, this has been a, a wild and fun and crazy ride, and it's been really neat. It's just been really neat. And we met a lot of amazing people. You know, we talk about Vince, we talk about Mark, we talk about James Hudson, all the people that we've met over the years and kind of started friendships with either like really close friendships or uh, your otherwise. I mean, even Nick, even Nick, come on. Yeah, even Nick. Nick. And we're thankful that we've had the opportunity to do this. And if we didn't have people downloading the show and listening to the show, like, we don't do this for the numbers, which is a good thing, but it is rewarding and it helps. And so we appreciate everybody who's listening because it is meaningful to us. And it is why we ask you to rate the show or more importantly, tell your friends about the show because we want people who want to know this stuff, right? Yeah, And we really, really like connecting with you all. And another thing that's kind of cool about these kind of milestone episodes is that these are the opportunities where we really can self-reflect and see if there's anything that we want to change. I don't know that we've figured anything in particular out other than, like I said, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things. But as we've changed what we do, is there anything that, you know, you as listeners think you'd like to hear us talk about or you'd like to hear us do differently? Or is there someone that you'd like us to get on the show and talk to? Yeah. You know, those are all things that we would really love it if you could let us know. We'll get into our contact information a little bit later in the show. We've got a little bit more to talk about. But yeah, I mean, those things are really, really helpful for us. Yeah. And speaking of how things change, 
I think I've always been the half of our team who's been more into the really little kid games and the really fast, really light games. But over the last two or three years, especially as we don't have really little kids anymore, I've realized that that's not just a season of life I was going through that I was busy and I didn't have time to play the Mm -hmm. heavier games. I really, really do like focusing on these games that because they're so light, they're so fast, families can pick up and play together anytime. And I think that's really important. I mean, life is nuts. We talk about this all the time. I thought it was going to get less nuts as we Uh, had older kids. I was wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I keep expecting summertime to be summer. You know, remember, somebody made this post on you know social media a while ago that said that we are bred as Americans to think that summer is the best season because we get it off from school. In reality, summer is actually terrible, especially when you have to work through it. <laughs> and I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I, I think spring and fall are my favorite seasons, but there certainly is something in me that expects it to be less crazy. And so far, it hasn't happened yet. So I want uh, my money yeah. back. Your zero dollars, you can have it back. Great. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of our retrospective, I think. And, you know, just because episode 300 will be over by the time you hear this, if you have anything that you kind of want to send to us, you know, we're more than happy to continue to provide that back talk on the show. Yes. And now, drum roll, please. Quit <laughs> it. is time to announce the winner's of our episode 300 giveaway. All right, let's do it. So we've got five winners. So the winner of the brand new copy of Cora Quest is Mikhail Rappaport. Congratulations. I think he writes for stayathomemomreviews.com? I think so, yeah. All right, awesome. All right, next is Scott Dickinson, who won the copy of Blank Slate. Congratulations. He also said congratulations on 300 episodes. So congratulations to you, Scott. Congratulations to us. One of our winners is also Sean, who had already written us an email earlier in the week. Sean wins the copy of Unmatched Battle of Legends, Volume 2. Okay, I know I'm not supposed to pick favorites. It's like your kids, you're not supposed to pick favorites, right? But this was the prize out of all of the prize that I was like, oh, because we love Unmatched so much. I know, right? So congratulations to Sean. I'm really excited for you. Uh, It says here that you actually don't have any Unmatched. What? We are happy to be changing this for this you. This is going to be an excellent entree for you. Restoration is excited because you are entering the cult of Unmatched. <laughs> 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 oh, um, Anitra, you know that Joseph Renninger guy who sent us these blueberry death things over here? Yes. <laughs> Did you know that he also managed to win something in our giveaway? This is completely honest, totally fair. Completely random choice by Rafflecopter, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, look... When you enter every contest, you're bound to win one or two. (laughs) So Joseph won the copy of Goonies Coded Chronicles Escape with One-Eyed Willies Rich Stuff, which is a super fun game. If you have not played any of the Coded Chronicles games, I would actually say you should start with Scooby-Doo. I think it's a little bit more straightforward. It's probably a little bit more family-friendly. The puzzles aren't quite as difficult. The puzzles aren't quite as difficult as uh, But the Goonies one is certainly great. If you have watched and love the movie, there are things lifted directly out of the movie in this game. So congratulations to Joseph on that one. And winner number five is Wayne Kruger. Wayne, you have won a pre-order for the next two holiday hijinks games. 
Unfortunately, this means you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for your prize, but we promise you're going to get it as soon as it's available. And it's going to be worth it. Yes. It's going to be worth it. (laughs) So those are our prizes for episode 300. Congratulations to all of the winners. We love giving things away. And apart from the shipping cost, it's all good news. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We have one more thing to give away. We do? We are giving away a discount on All Family Gamers That is true. So to celebrate episode 300 for the entire month of July, I have set up a promo code in the merch store. If you head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch and you buy anything, anything in the merch store and use promo code episode 300. Okay. Very easy to remember. Episode 300, you will get 30% off of your order. That's a good deal. That is a significant percentage. Yes. So head over there, pick up a shirt, pick up a, a hoodie. I love my Family Gamers hoodie. It is Me too. my favorite It's soft. It's nice. I love it. Uh, you could pick up a mug. We have Family Gamers mugs. I almost bought a mug and you told me not to because we have too many mugs, but I was going to buy a mug because it's a Family Gamers mug. Yeah. I want to buy it. We probably should get one anyway. Get one. Get rid of some other mug instead. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we're, we're going to get a Family Gamers <laughs> mug. But anyway, so head on over to the store. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And episode 300 is the promo code. All caps. I don't know if it matters, but, you know, all caps. There you go. So uh, go do that. If you forget, you can always go see the show notes for this episode on thefamilygamers.com, episode 300. And look, I'm going to post it in the community, too. Yeah. I'm going to try to get people all excited about getting some amazing Family Gamers merch. We would love to see pictures of you wearing your Family Gamers merch shared to all of our social media. Where can people do that, Anitra? Well, first of all, in the Family Gamers community, facebook.com slash groups slash Family Gamers AA. Thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. Or just search for the Family Gamers community on Facebook. All those things. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Family Gamers AA for Andrew and Anitra. You can check out the last 80 or so of our Snap reviews on YouTube. Just look for The Family Gamers. If you did want to send anything to us directly, you can always email us, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra, at thefamilygamers.com. Don't forget that merch. Promo code episode 300. Head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch for all of our Family Gamers and play games with your kids. Merchandise, all of it is on sale. T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you want to send us some crazy weird food to eat for <laughs> science, <laughs> you can send it to us at The Family Gamers, P.O. Box 528, Auburn, Massachusetts, 01501. And we will eat it on the show, just like we did tonight. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right. 300 episodes down. 10 more to go? <laughs> that's a, That seems like a reasonable chunk to aim for, right? 300 down. X number to go. Uncounted. Uncounted number to go. (laughs) We don't know. We have no idea. There are no plans. We're not the Beatles. We're not going out on top. No, definitely not. (laughs) But we will be back next week. We promise. So until then, everybody. Play games with your kids. kids.